Praise the Lord. Thank you, God. I think Justin was, the real reason was he was afraid I wouldn't bring him back up. <laughs> Thank you all for sharing your testimony. You've seen a lot of people leave. It's not because they, they don't like the church. It's they, they've been here for two services. They just wanted to stay for the testimonies. And frankly, in many ways, by far the best sermon you'll hear today was already just preached because it was the testimony of Jesus Christ changing people's lives. So we welcome you. Some of you are here for the first time. Some of you are regulars. Some of you have been away but are back, and we're grateful for that. But one of the things that we do as we celebrate God's grace and gather and watch how he's working people's lives is we read the Bible. We study the Bible together because it's God's word that changes us through the Holy Spirit. So I want to invite you this morning to turn in your Bible to 1 Timothy 4. We have a little time left, about 25 minutes. And so if you don't have a Bible, I want to welcome you to raise your hand. You're welcome to keep one of these Bibles. They're free. And most importantly, as you heard people's testimony, they came to experience God's salvation through the Bible. So whether you're churched or unchurched, religious or non-religious, God's Word tells us that God loves us and He wants to be your Savior. And if you are a Christian, this morning we're going to look at an interesting passage in 1 Timothy chapter 4. We've called this series the blueprint for the church. And in a moment we're going to read this passage. But basically, if you want to understand the Bible for yourself, I really want to encourage you, first of all, to pray that the Lord will help you understand it, but then to begin to read books of the Bible from the beginning of that book through to the end of that book. Don't just jump around like a Ouija board and pull a sentence here and a sentence there because the Bible was written by God and we learn to study to show ourselves rightly dividing and understanding the word, reading it in its context. So one of the things that you'll learn as a Christian is before you try to apply the Bible to yourself, you have to ask yourself, what was it saying to the original reader? Now, the original reader was Timothy. He was a pastor. And if you've been studying with us, you know that he was in a place called Ephesus. And Ephesus had a number of home churches that the Apostle Paul had planted. But these churches were experiencing problems because false teachers were in the churches. And they were doing two things wrong. They were teaching bad beliefs and they were living bad behavior. And both of them were disrupting and upsetting and troubling the churches. They were teaching bad beliefs. They were teaching false theology. They were teaching people that you keep God's law, and that's how you get into heaven. And so Paul said in chapter 1, Timothy, you need to stop these false teachers who are using the law long, wrongfully. Today, there are many people standing up and preaching, telling people, just keep God's law, be a good person, keep the Ten Commandments, you'll go to heaven. That's the same thing we're dealing with today. People who are teaching that salvation is by works. But perhaps as bad or even worse is that these people who were calling themselves Christian leaders were living lives of sinful behavior. And so we learned from the book of Timothy that number one, they were only preaching to make money. And there are still many people who still do that. They simply use religion, 1 Timothy 6, as a means of gain. They simply go, hey, this is a way to get people's money. So if you're visiting with us, understand, we're not trying to get your money. Don't ever feel that 
coming here is something we're going to charge you for. But it wasn't the only thing they were doing. They not only were trying to get money, they were also using their influence to take advantage of people. In 2 Timothy, Paul spoke of these false teachers who come into homes and they prey on women. This is something that we still see today. We see people using spiritual things as a way to take advantage of someone. So Paul is telling Timothy as he writes to him, hey, listen, Timothy, I know you're in a tough situation. You need to strengthen this church in Ephesus. You need to raise up godly leaders. You need to correct false beliefs and, and, and sinful behavior. But what's interesting, in the middle of this section, as Pastor John preached last week, he talked about the importance of upholding Christ and his gospel and how that needs to be the central truth that you keep preaching. But what Paul's going to tell Timothy in this little section is, Timothy, before you worry about anybody else, you need to pay attention to your own beliefs and your own behavior. Look with me at verse 16, and then we'll read the entire passage. Just look down in your Bible. He says, pay close attention to yourself, that's your behavior, and to your teaching, that's your belief. Persevere in these things, for as you do this, you will ensure salvation. Notice, both for yourself and for those who hear you. So as we're about to look at this passage, I want you to think about this question. Once a person gets baptized and they come back out, then what happens? What happens after that, between the time of their profession of faith and their departure out of this world? The Bible talks about people who simply affirm Jesus in their head, but their heart and their life and their behavior are in a complete contradiction to what they say that they believe. And so, sadly, there will always be people who will profess to become believers, but then they'll abandon the faith. They no longer go to church, they no longer read their Bibles, and they begin to live ungodly lives. And so what we learn from Scripture is that people who turn back on the Lord haven't lost their salvation, it's an evidence that they were never Christians in the first place. And so what Paul is teaching us here, and he's telling Timothy, is that Timothy, as a pastor, it's your job to keep preaching and teaching the Bible, but encouraging people to persevere in their faith. There are too many American Christians who simply go, yeah, I raised my hand at Backyard Bible Club. Becoming a Christian is not something that you just accept Christ and then you just go do your thing until Jesus comes back. We live for him. He not only died for our sins, but the Bible says he died for us that we would no longer live for ourselves, but for him. We don't live for him to try to get to heaven. We live for him because he's already promised us we're going to heaven. So in this little section, we're going to see 12 commandments that Paul gives to Timothy as a pastor to help make sure to strengthen Timothy and his church in their beliefs and their behavior. Now, the, the thing that I don't want you to do is go, okay, well, then I don't need to, I don't need to read this because I'm not a pastor. Are you a parent? Do you want to ensure salvation for yourself and your children? Anytime someone says to me, ah, you know, I just let my kids pick religion. I don't want to push it on them. Right away I go, they don't get it. 
Because if you believe that the Bible is the truth and that God's salvation is taught in the Bible, you wouldn't put 12 bottles of poison on the table and say, one of them will give you eternal life, the other ones will put you in hell forever, but you pick. And so Paul, in very passionate words, is trying to encourage Timothy, make sure to teach the Bible, make sure to live a godly life, make sure to explain and challenge Christians that you don't just accept Christ, but that you grow and you become godly. And so we're going to receive some wonderful advice from Paul to Timothy to us this morning about what it means to go on in the Lord and to continue to live our lives for him. So let's pray, and then we'll start. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the spirit and for these few moments together. May we be encouraged to see that we have been saved, but those of us who are truly saved will go on in godliness. And so I pray that your spirit will speak to us through the Bible. Thank you for letting us hear stories of how you miraculously have saved people. May others this morning come to know Christ and give their lives to Christ. And all of us who are Christians, may we be inspired by this passage to grow in the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's start in verse 6. We're going to read down to verse 16, and then I'm going to wind back and kind of talk about, okay, how does this apply to you and me? So Pastor John shared last week that Christ is the answer, and the church's role is to proclaim salvation and protect it from false teaching. And then he gave Timothy in chapter 4 examples of false teachers who will teach false doctrine. Paul's like, that's not what to teach. Teach the gospel. So he begins verse 6. In pointing out these things to the brethren, you'll be a good servant of Christ Jesus. You're constantly nourished on the words of the faith and the sound doctrine you've been following. One of the false teachings in the church was they were just babbling on about these silly myths, and so the teachers were teaching that. So Paul says to Timothy, have nothing to do, verse 7, with these worldly fables, these profane stories that are fit only for old women. Now, he's not making a slam at old women. That was, that was a, a figure of speech for nonsensical chatter that sometimes not just old women but anybody can do. But he says, don't pay attention to that nonsense. On the other hand, Timothy, you personally discipline yourself for the purpose of becoming godly, to become a godly person. And Timothy's looking at his LA fitness membership going, yeah, I, I'm into bodily discipline. He says, Timothy, for bodily discipline, verse 8 is, that's of little profit. It's not bad, but it's, it's, in the long run, it's not the end all. He says, but godliness... Going to God's gym instead of gold's gym, that's profitable for all things since it, since it holds a promise for the present life. I never met somebody who was godly who regretted trying to be godly through God's grace. But it also holds promise for the life to come. Let's keep reading. Paul says, Timothy, this is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance. Now, some people think he's talking about what he just said. I think he's talking about what he's going to say, which is this. He says, this is what I labor and strive for. You say, Paul, what, what makes you go? He says this, because I've fixed my hope on the living God. But then he says something that's rather unusual about God. Look at verse 10. He says, by the way, God is the Savior of all men. Some people look at that and they go, that's awesome. We're all going to heaven. He says, well, he's the savior of all men, but he's especially the savior of believers. I'm going to come back to that. Wait, what? 
Timothy, he says, I want you to prescribe and teach these things. Now, we'll talk about that word. It's, he's, Timothy's not a doctor giving out prescriptions, but he says, preach and teach these things from the Bible. That's, I'm just doing what Paul said to do. Now, according to historians, Timothy was probably in his early 30s, and back then you weren't considered a, an adult elder until you were in your 40s. So Paul says, let no one look down on your youthfulness. So Timothy's not 19, his first youth pastorate. He's in his mid-30s. And as he's confronting these false teachers about their poor beliefs and, and, and wrong behavior, you can see him say, what do you know? You're just a boy. Paul says, don't let anybody look down and despise and, and put you down because you're a young man. He says, but rather, in your speech, unlike the way they talk, in your conduct, unlike the way they live, in your love, unlike them who are using people, in your faith, true faith in Christ, not in your works, and in your purity, not taking advantage of women, show yourself an example of those who believe. That's where we get the phrase, walk the walk, don't just talk the talk. But then as a pastor, he says, Timothy, until I come, give attention to the public reading of Scripture. Do you know how many times I've had somebody say to me, I learned more today than I did all my life at my church? Well, I'd like to go, wow, I must be really good. But that's not what it is. It's because we're reading the Bible. And we're not the only church reading the Bible, but there are a lot of churches that don't read the Bible. So if you go to a church where they don't teach you the Bible, find a new church where they're teaching the Bible. It doesn't have to be this one. But he says, Timothy, this is what you do. You give attention to the public reading of Scripture. Somebody says, oh, yeah, I've been through that. Well, you don't stop there. You don't just read the Bible to people. He says, also give attention to exhortation. Tell them how to apply it to their lives. There are an awful lot of people who have a head full of beliefs, but an ungodly behavior. And so you apply the Bible. You don't just, oh, well, that was nice. And to teaching. You instruct people so that they learn how to interpret the Bible correctly and so that they're not misled with every Tom, Dick, and Harry that comes along and says, read this book, read this book. But as Timothy thought about this overwhelming, this is going to be hard. Man, these are, these are older men than me, and, and they're very strong in their personalities. And Paul reminds Timothy, hey, God made you a pastor not because of, of your ability, but because of his spiritual ability that he gave you. God will never ask you and me to do anything that he won't enable us to do. So he tells Timothy, think back to your ordination when, when God set you apart and he called you into ministry and we prayed over you. He says, remember that. Look at this. He says, don't neglect the spiritual gift within you. In other words, Timothy, you don't have to do this in your own strength. God's going to empower you to rebuke people for false beliefs and ungodly behavior. He says, remember that gift which you received through prophetic utterance. In the early church, the Holy Spirit would lead people to prophesy over someone, and, and there was a prediction that the Spirit of God had gifted Timothy to be a preacher and a teacher. And so they laid hands on him, Paul says, with the laying on of hands by the presbytery. That's just a word for the elders. And we learn from 2 Timothy, Paul was a part of that. He said in 2 Timothy, I was one of the ones that laid my hands on you. He says, remember your ordination, Timothy. You're not in this alone. God's given you a gift. Take pains with these things. 
Be absorbed in them. That's serious stuff, isn't it? Don't treat your Christianity as a hobby. Make Christ your life. Live for him. Engage with him. Be in the word and prayer. And here's why. So that your progress will be evident to all. In other words, so that people, as they watch you, Timothy, they'll see your growing Christ-likeness. They'll see that you're not just some showman in the pulpit, but that you live what you believe. And that we will see that the church is a hospital for all sinners. And as God is changing you, Timothy, and you're maturing, we will all be encouraged. Hey, if he can change Timothy, he can change me. And others will begin to see that you are a man of God. You know, as I was studying this passage, it reminded me as I listened to Pastor John recently and watching his leadership and his growth and his maturing in the Lord. I shared this with him. I said, this reminds me of you, John, and your progress is evident. God's, God's at work. Now, has John arrived? Hmm. You know the answer? Of course not. Have I arrived? No. Has Bob arrived? No. We're all in a process, but we want to grow. So finally, Paul says, now, Timothy, let me just summarize it this way. Get out a mirror, son. Take a good hard look in it all the time. Pay attention to two things. He says, pay attention to yourself. In other words, think about your motives. Think about your values. What are you living for? Think about your choices and your behavior, the way you spend your money, what you do with your time. Pay attention and ask yourself, does my behavior the way that I talk, the way that I live, does that match up with following Christ? So he says, pay attention to yourself, Timothy, and to what you teach. So when I meet Christians, they go, oh, you know, I don't, I'm not into reading or anything. You know, I just, I just kind of like just chill, you know. Like, does that sound like don't read, don't think, don't pray? But he says, pay close attention to the things that you believe and the things that you teach others. Persevere in them. Ah, for as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you. You say, wow, that's, that's, that's pretty sobering. I go, yeah. We don't just come to church every Sunday to go, woohoo, happy, 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 Jesus is my Savior. We come to church and say, wow. God's awesome. God's great. Jesus is Lord. But Christianity is serious. And Christianity calls us not just to raise our hand, but to, to continue to grow, to be godly, to follow Christ, to test ourselves, and to, to make sure that, that we're not just telling our, our kids, well, just ask Jesus in your heart. That's not the gospel. Just ask Jesus in your heart. We teach him about sin and about Christ's death and about repentance and faith and about how Christ comes to live inside of us and how we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. So for just a few moments, we go, okay, now that's what Paul told Timothy. Wonder what God's telling me today. Well, I want us to go back then, and, and let's, let's start with this idea from verse 7 and 8. That as you have become a Christian, and I'm going to assume many of you here are believers, now, for some of you who are listening to those testimonies, don't worry about 
knowing the day you were saved. Some people make a big deal about that. Were you saved on March 2nd? Were you saved when you were 14 or when you were 16? There's nothing in the Bible that says you have to know for sure exactly when you were saved. What's important is knowing that you are saved. As you've heard Pastor John say, and you've heard me say, and he got it from somebody else, you don't have to see the sunrise to know the sun's out. So for some of you, you go, I don't remember when I first really got it and when, when I repented and believed in Christ, but I know that I'm a Christ follower. Well, once that happens, once you've gone through the, the pools of baptism and you begin to live your life, well, what happens then? Well, the answer is God wants you to grow into a godly Christian. In other words, you don't, you don't leave your hell insurance ticket at the door and then you're just like, yeah, I, I already did that. I already got saved. You grow into a godly Christ-like Christian and it's a struggle. It's a battle against the world, the flesh, and the, ev and the evil one. I want you to imagine that someone comes to you and says, you know, I, oh gosh, I have gotten so out of shape. It's unbelievable. I've gained so much weight. I'm, uh, the doctor said my blood pressure's high. I really need to lose weight. And, um, whew, man, I just really, I've made up my mind. Say, that's a cool, how, how are you going to do that? Are you going to diet? Oh, no, of course not. I love food. Um, oh, so are you going to, Really start an exercise plan? Uh, you know what? I just really don't have any time for that. So how exact, exactly are you going to lose weight? Well, I'm just going to let go and let God. Look at verse 7. Paul says to Timothy, have nothing to do with these worldly fables, but on the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Now, theologians refer to these as the habits of grace, or spiritual disciplines. Now, it's really important that as a Christian, I understand their role in my Christian experience. Spiritual disciplines, and some examples would be reading your Bible, praying, being in relationships with other Christians where you're honestly sharing your struggles and trying to apply scripture to your life, attending a, a regular fellowship, giving to the Lord, getting involved with Christians and serving the Lord together. These spiritual disciplines do not make you a Christian. These spiritual disciplines do not find God's favor. And he goes, oh, well, you read your Bible. I really love you. They're simply an evidence that we are true believers and that we are trying to follow Christ as a result of having received his salvation. So, if you're going to grow as a Christian, it will not happen by osmosis. So you say, yeah, you know, I, I used to read the Bible sometimes, but I am so busy. And prayer, you know, I just, I, once in a while I try, I mean, I, I, sometimes when I go to bed, I go, dear Jesus, thank you for this day, but before I know it, the alarm's going off. Does that sound like discipline yourself? for the purpose of godliness. So the first thing I want to encourage you to do is that your spiritual growth will in part be dependent on your response to God's grace in your life. He has given you these resources, the Bible, the church, other Christians, but he's inviting you and me to engage ourselves with great sincerity and earnestness in our Christian walk. This is what the Bible means when it says, 
work out your salvation with fear and trembling, lest you come to find that your Christianity was just some blurry thing that you're like, I don't know, I, I said the prayer that they turned me to, told me to say. I don't, I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. But rather, you grow in grace. You understand the gospel, and then you're maturing and changing and praying and sharing your faith with others. So when I meet people who say, I just let go and let God, I'm going, hmm, wonder what you're going to do with that verse. So some of you needed just a little shot in the arm. You know, I used to do that. I know what you're talking about, Tom. I just kind of lost my way. Some of you may have never heard this before, that godliness isn't just letting go and letting God, nor is it trying harder. It's understanding God's spirit is at work in us to will and work for his good pleasure. But God's calling us to engage and grow in grace. And this is what it means to become a disciple who makes disciples, who helps others to grow. But for the sake of time, I want to turn your attention to verse 10 as we close. Paul goes on to say in verse 10, for it is for this we labor and strive because we fixed our hope on the living God who is the savior of all men and especially of believers. Let me try to illustrate this. This week, my wife and one of my daughters, my grandkids and I went to the beach and we saw these people sitting up on this raised platform with stairs on it. But imagine coming from another country and seeing people sitting on a raised platform with stairs on it, five feet from the water, going, what are they doing? That doesn't look like fun. Why don't they go swimming? Oh, they're lifeguards. What do lifeguards do? They save people. And then I'll say to people, you ever been to a beach or a pool, seen a lifeguard? You think if you asked him, he wouldn't save you? If you said, please save me, he would say, no, I've I only save women, or I only save adults, or I only save children. Who's he there for? He's there to save anybody. But then if you say, how many have been saved by a lifeguard? Maybe only a few of you would go. Well, I was, but I don't want anybody to know. I'm embarrassed. And then I say, well, why weren't the rest of you saved by a lifeguard? I was never saved by a lifeguard. Simple. I didn't need one. God is the savior of all men provisionally. And I know we can get into the, the depths of particular atonement and limited atonement, but even as you heard Mike's testimony, if you're wondering, well, how do I know if I'm elect? How do I know if Christ died for me? I'll give you an easy answer. Repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Come to Jesus. Jesus said, anyone who comes to me, I won't cast out. But here's the point I want you to make. God is the Savior of all men in the sense of provisionally. He doesn't say, whosoever will may come as long as you're white, upper middle class, and you don't have any tattoos. But particularly and applicationally, he's the savior of believers. A believer is someone who has made a decision. A believer is someone who realized, I'm drowning and I can't save myself. A believer is someone who turns to Christ and surrender and says, Forgive me, Lord. Change my heart. I want to follow you. This is why the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Ask yourself, is Christ your Savior provisionally? Like, yeah, yeah, I grew up knowing about this. Or is Christ your Savior particularly because you've come to him and you've believed that he died for you? 
and you've asked him to save you, and you now believe that you are forgiven. And, oh, yeah, I, I did that, Tom. When I was four, I said that. I, I was reading Francis Schaeffer, Escape from Reason, and I asked Christ to save me. I said, all right, well, let's take a look after that. Have you been baptized? Why would I do that? Do you follow the Lord? What's that have to do with it? Are you growing in godliness? Are you becoming like Christ? Are you trying to become an example? Are you trying to bring others to salvation? Are you paying attention to your beliefs and your behavior so that you can ensure salvation for yourself and those who hear you? Well, I trust that you and I will be challenged this morning to say, wow, this is a powerful passage. And by way of application, if you're not saved and you leave here this morning and you don't ask the Lord to save you, I think that's a real bad idea. Jesus said, what's the profit? You gain the whole world and lose your soul. Ah, I'll do that when I get older. I just want to do my thing. Well, this might be your last chance. So come to Jesus. But if you are a Christian, first of all, let's give God all the glory. It was all by his grace. But don't stop with hell insurance. Don't stop with, now I'm forgiven. I'll just do whatever I want. But go on with the Lord. Walk with him. Discipline yourself. Be in the word. Be engaged. Are you in a small group? Are you engaging with other Christians? Are you studying? You're like, no, I, I don't like to read or listen to the Bible. Are you regularly coming to church? Or, you know, once in a while, if, if there's no good game on and it's raining anyway so we can't go to the beach, let's pray that God will help all of us to, to, to truly live our lives in a way that will, by our beliefs and our behavior, draw others to come to Christ. God's wonderful, and he's growing our church. And you know why? It's for his glory. And you know how? It's not because we have a different building or we're going to get a new sign. It's because the Holy Spirit's changing people's lives. And you and I are the Bible that people read every day, our family, our friends, our loved ones. What a wonderful opportunity by the way we live to be an example, by the way we live, when we mess up to say, you know what, I'm sorry. That's not how Christians live. Would you forgive me? By the way we live and the things that we teach to help many more people experience God's salvation. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these words from God. Thank you that we can read the Bible together. Thank you so much for sending your son to be a savior available to all men and women, boys and girls. But particularly those of us who are saved, we give you glory for your grace. Even as Mike's testimony said, Lord, we realize that it's all from you. Father, I pray that today will have a, a great impact on the days to come as we're reminded of our own baptism, as we celebrate the baptism of others. Lord, forgive us for all the ways that we are still not godly, not like Jesus. Thank you for forgiving us, as Justin said in his testimony, that we can repent when we fall short and keep growing and keep living our lives for him. Father, I pray that we will finish our Christian walk by your grace through faith. And I pray that you'll stir us, comfort us, grow us, encourage us to go and make disciples. And we just love you and thank you for everything you've done. May all of us talk about what we've seen this morning and stir each other to grow in grace. And we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. 
Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. I'll be here if you have any questions spiritually, you'd like to find out more about the Lord or grow. But we'll look forward to seeing you all next week.